0: Hello, this is Pastor Dennis here. Welcome back to our series, The Problem with God. We're glad you've joined us today and hope that you have your, uh, our, your eyes and your uh, mind and your heart open to hear the Word of God today. I hope that this message will touch you in a way that only God can touch you. And uh, just keep your, keep your mind open and, and go with us and share with us today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this glorious, beautiful day. Lord, this is a day you have made, and we rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, each day is a gift from you, the wonderful gift of life, and we thank you for that. Lord, so now be with us. Bless each person who is listening and who is watching, Lord, and touch their lives this day in a mighty way. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray, amen. The problem with God, the subject today is God being an exclusive God, exclusivity. Uh, so something exclusive, it means it's reserved for a particular person or a group of people. This is one of the most controversial claims of Christianity and causes trouble with the world and, and us is that we have that exclusive claim of Jesus and his salvation. What that means is Jesus is the exclusive means to salvation, the only way to heaven, peace, and ultimate joy in life that no other religion in the world can offer us. John 14:6 says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And many people who are not believers or even believers have trouble with this and feel this is extremely offensive to them. See, Christians many times in the world and even amongst our peers were considered closed minded or narrow minded bigots because we believe that our way is the only way when it comes to salvation, as well as our concepts of heaven and hell. Many Christians today even wrestle with this exclusivity, especially if they're regularly exposed to people of other cultures or races uh, through our work or through our travel. We're exposed to all kinds of people every day. And I have to admit that sometimes I look at my friends and some that don't go to church and and some that don't know Jesus and and even uh, in my travels that, Lord, these are good people. How could they not be welcomed into heaven? They're wonderful people. They they don't know Jesus, but yet the works that they do, and they live a moral life, and and they do all of the things they should do. I heard this pastor once say, he said, you know, you could go to church every day. You could pray 24 hours a day. You could give all your money to the poor, and you could be baptized in the river so many times that the fish know you by name. But if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, none of those other things matter. See, even, even let alone in the world, but even with denominations, we still even have our differences with denominations. I have a story of a pastor friend of mine. Uh, before I was a pastor, I was still teaching and he would come uh, every day at lunch and we would do Bible study. And, uh, and one day we were doing Bible study and he said, Dennis, I'm worried about you. And I said, well, why are you worried about me? And he says, well, he says, I'm afraid you're going to hell. And I said, and I kind of laughed. I said, you're joking, right? And he goes, no. He says, I'm really concerned. I said, why are you concerned about me? He says, well, you're a Methodist. I thought, really? I thought he was joking, but he wasn't joking. He was truly, truly worried about me. Now, today, because of our beliefs and all the different beliefs that are around, there, there are people that are really quickly to go to bookstores to, find, to read all these self-help books, you know, and, and uh, they're self-help and, and they're new age authors. And that's uh, the most popular section of many bookstores, the philosophy of being inclusive. I mean, that means that nobody has a lock on the truth. Now, I've heard a pastor once say too that every sinner, has, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. So, but it's tough for for anyone to convince me that the God that I, my family and I serve is a God that is exclusive. Every God that everybody is exclusive and I just can't believe that. Atheism is another thing we have to deal with. It says, uh, atheism says all religions are false. Inclusivism says that all religions are true or at least partially true. So we live in a day where we many people practice practice relative or situational Christianity. You know, it depends on the situation what's right or wrong. It depends on the person what's right for you may isn't right for me. And and what we want to do is we want to make up our own rules. And we know one thing in in in, in the world is there are many truths. But for us Christians, there are only there's only one truth. For example. There are many truths about water. Water is good to drink. It's necessary for us to drink. It's necessary for plants to grow. But it's also true that water is very destructive. The floods, that can be very destructive. All those things are true, but so there's not one truth about water. Also, the same thing can be said about fire. Fire provides warmth. It's used for cooking. But when it gets out of control, it can also destroy. See, I don't know you, uh, how many of you know of or uh, uh, saw the movie Talladega Nights, Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby was a race car driver. It's all right, you're safe. You're safe. Ah. We got you. I'm on fire. 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 OK. Ah. It's all right, you're not it. on fire. I knew it, you're lying. Relax.
1: I'm there fire. There is no
0: fire. i ah, Come back here. But something looks wrong. Fire. I mean, he's running around like, like he's on fire. Oh my god, help me. You're not on fire, Ricky Bobby. I'm on fire! You're not on fire. But I'm not even sure he even knows where he's at right now. This makes us all realize the kind of pressure these drivers are under. Mr. Bobby, come on down here. Help me, Jesus! Help me, Jewish God! Help me, Allah! Ah! Help me, Tom Cruise! Ah! Help me, Oprah Winifrey! And he was crying out, he was crying out, help me Jesus, help me Jewish God, help me Allah, help me Tom Cruise, help me Oprah Winfrey. In other words, he was hedging his bets. He didn't know which one was right, but he wanted to make sure he had them all covered, all the bases covered. Now this concept has its roots in Eastern philosophy. It's been adopted here in the West in several versions. Here's some quotes from some some, uh, important people or well-known people. Gandhi said this, My position is that all great religions are fundamentally equal. There's an Orthodox Jewish rabbi, Shumli Boutique, who says, I am absolutely against any religion that says one faith is superior to another. I don't see how that's any different than spiritual racism. And of course, one of our most famous philosophers that so many uh, people uh, think is so wonderful, and she is, she's a wonderful lady. Oprah Winfrey said this, one of the biggest mistakes humans make is to believe there's only one way. Actually, there are many diverse paths that lead to God. Well, inclusivism is based on the premise that all religions are true, or at least partially true. That's the Ricky Bobby theology. See, we, because of all these, we actually need to be in conversation with people of different faiths and different religions and, and, uh, and different walks of life and we can even partner with them in some in, in things because they have some good qualities, and in fact, especially if it's something for the good of people. See, the reality that we can, cannot coexist with people whom with with we disagree in different things is totally false. You know, we can agree to disagree. We don't have to lose friendships over disagreements with people. If I believe this, they believe that. We don't have to totally. Uh, just be, be apart from each other. See, we can still work with all people toward common good goals in this world and the good of people. See, God has given us common grace. There are values and desires that we universally share and we can bring, work with others to bring about those things into the world. We can still work with them and do it for the glory of God. See, Christianity means working towards certain goals. The Bible tells us a faith without works is dead. And cooperation does not mean agreement. Differences in beliefs does not mean we have to end friendships, beliefs with people of different beliefs, denominations, even non-believers. Can't we live our faith out in in the world without saying anything? In the, the seminary I went to, there was, a, there was a, a saying up on the wall as we entered, and it said this. It said, preach the gospel every day, and if necessary, use words. See, so we, we live in a society where there's cultural pluralism and spiritual pluralism. Cultural pluralism means that we accept different cultures, and that's good, and it's necessary that we accept cultures. Spiritual pluralism means that we accept all ideas as being true to the truth and convictions on worldview and religions. But to do that, we would be mistaken because it's a bridge to absolutely nowhere. It will not get us anything. See, being civil doesn't require us to approve what other people believe and do. It's one thing to say they have the right, which we all do. We've been all given the freedom of choice by God. But it's another to say that they are right. What is right is what they're doing and what they do. But you know, Christianity isn't alone. It's an exclusiveness. People want to claim we're exclusive, but other religions are exclusive as well. Islam is exclusive in its beliefs. One God, Allah, Muhammad its prophet, heaven of a paradise of of sensual pleasure, and hell for those who reject Allah and his teachings. The only way to heaven is to convert to Islam. Sounds pretty exclusive to me. Buddhism is also exclusive. They have a sacrificial system, a caste system, the authority of their sacred scriptures, and they believe that evil is an illusion. Now, I've been in a Buddhist temple. I've traveled in China, and the temples are beautiful. I went into this one room in a temple, and there were about 200 Buddhas all around the wall. And I asked someone there, why are all these here? And they said, well, it depends on what you need, which Buddha you pray to. Now, I'm thankful that I have one God to pray to, and he hears me and answers me. In a new age, God is everything and in everything, including yourself. There's no higher court of appeal when something bad happens. But in Christianity, we serve a suffering Savior who knows our pain and our grief and will help rescue us from it. We practice what we believe. We live by it. We can't pick and choose. Too many of us practice what I call Western nicety. We live in a day where everybody's views are true and right, as long as it avoids conflict. Don't bother me, I won't bother you seems to be many people's attitudes as christians believe there's one truth jesus said in john 14:6 i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me and we also believe that there is salvation in no one else acts 4:12 says there's no other name under heaven given among men which we must be saved these confessions form the cornerstone of our christian faith and serve as our driving force of for our mission to the world. We're all products of our own culture, our own worldviews, our own beliefs, our upbringings. I often wonder, I was asking my wife, I said, if we were born in India, do you suppose we'd still be Christians? Or what about if we lived in Europe, would we still be Christians? What about if we lived in China or Iran or Israel, would we still be Christians? Or would we take on or adopt the, the, the religions of those societies? But see, this goes beyond our worldviews. See, we don't even have to go very far to see right exclusiveness right here in the United States of America and the church in the U.S. See, so many times in churches, if people don't look like us, dress like us, smell like us, live like us, they aren't welcome in our churches. We make judgments. We want to question so much people that ask for help. And I'd like to read to you from Matthew chapter 40. Matthew chapter 40, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 40 through 42. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. And whoever compel and give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Do not turn away. That verse haunts me because when people ask me for help and I want to make a judgment of whether I think they should be working or not and whether I should give them my money. That verse always haunts me. See, in Romans it tells us, let's see if this sounds exclusive to you. Romans says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, the great commission says, "Go into all the world, baptize, and make disciples." And John three sixteen says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever—that means anybody—whosoever believes in Me shall not perish but have eternal life." See, too often we let it rules. Rule, run our life instead of grace. And we put conditions on love, giving love and receiving love. See, all this comes down to one thing for us Christians, in my opinion. Do we believe the Bible is the holy word of God? If we do, then we're called to live by that. All of it. Do we believe it is the truth? Or are you hedging your bets like Ricky Bobby. I'll tell you, I'm betting on Jesus because he's the sure thing. Here at at New Freedom Church, we have a sign on the wall as people walk into our sanctuary. It says, real people, real freedom. Real people, real freedom. Now, what does it mean? What does real mean? Real means it's authentic. It means there's there's no shadows. It, It is what it is. For example, how do we tell if something's real? I have two Bibles here. You can see them. This Bible, it's smaller than this Bible. But the question is, which Bible is a real Bible? How do we find, how would we find out if a, which Bible is real? Well, the first thing I'd do is I would to open the pages. This Bible doesn't open, although it looks very real. This Bible, the page is open. I can read the words, and I have a choice of believing what's true and what's not true. See, when people walk into our church and they read that sign, I would suppose that they expect to find real people here, people who don't pretend to be somebody they're not, don't judge people and aren't holier than thou, but understand that life is difficult and we're here to help each other through life. And we have the answer for people, and that answer is Jesus. We also need, they also need to find people that are free. We are free from judging. We are free to worship as the Spirit leads us to worship. We are free to give. We are free to be generous. We are free to be forgiving. We are free to be merciful. We are free to love freely. See, when people come here as a staff here at New Freedom, we want people to hear the truth in the word and experience a loving, healing Holy Spirit. So is Christianity exclusive? Yes and no. It is exclusive in that you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he died for you. If you believe that, then no, it's not exclusive. See, Psalm 145, 18 says this. The Lord is near to all who call on him in truth. In other words, what that means, I'm, going to, I'm truthfully calling you. I'm not just don't want fire insurance. I'm calling you, Lord, because I need to change my life. I need your help to change my life. It's, it's not good. In the Romans 10, 12 and 13, says, For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The Lord, same Lord of all is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, from my life experience, it's hard for me to believe that my God is exclusive for all he's done for me and my family. See, I haven't always been someone who believed in God or lived on the premises of this word. See, Psalm 40 has kind of become my theme it says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the muck and mire. Out of my life was awful. And he set my foot on the rock. That rock is Jesus. That rock is Jesus. And he goes on to say, if I were to tell you all the things he's done for me, there are too many things to number. And he put a new song in my heart. See, I, was a, I wasn't a bad guy, but I wasn't a holy man. I, didn't, I, had the wrong, uh, I had the wrong goals in life. I wasn't searching and, and trying to live for him. I was living for myself. I was very selfish and self-centered. Almost all of us are selfish and self-centered. It's something we have to fight against. But see, all I found I had to do was to ask God, please forgive me, Lord. I repent, change my life, turn my life around. See, that's not exclusive to me when you can say those things. Before I got into the ministry, I was a teacher and a coach. And once the Lord called me to ministry, I used to, I used to pray every time before I would preach, I'd go, Lord, you know me. You know where I've been, the things I've done, the places you've gone with me to protect me. Are you sure you want me to preach your word? I said, if you don't, then you just close my mouth. That was 20 years ago and he hasn't closed my mouth yet. About 10 years ago, I was praying before Easter service, this same prayer, and and as I was praying, the Spirit said to me, Dennis, I need to ask you something. I said, what's that? And he goes, this prayer you've been praying, I'm trying to figure out this guy you've been talking about. Who are you talking about when you pray that prayer? This guy, he goes, I don't know who that guy is. He says, surely it's not you, because when you prayed, I made you a new creature. So he said, please quit praying that stupid prayer. So I've not prayed it since. But I'm thankful every day for what God has done for me. I'm thankful He's not exclusive because He did not have to love me, but He does. He doesn't have to love you, but He does. He doesn't have to forgive, but He does. And He forgives instantly. When you ask for forgiveness, that sin is gone. And if you ask Him, if you repent and you ask Him to change your life, He'll do that for you too. So don't think God is exclusive at all. See, because God created you in His image, He knit you together in your mother's womb, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. This God that I read about is not an exclusive God. I would pray that if you don't know Him, that you would take the time to get to know Him. You get to know Him through prayer, you can get to know Him through His word, and get to know Him through people who are other Christians who gladly or should gladly walk through life with you and be as patient with you as God has been with them. I thank you for this time that we've had together, and I pray that it has been meaningful to you, and and it's so good to be back among you, and I can't wait for us to be able to worship again one day soon, and I look forward to that day. So if we would just conclude in in a short prayer. Father in heaven, glorious, glorious, glory, 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 holy is your name, Jesus. Lord, thank you for being who you are, Thank you for being the loving, compassionate, merciful, forgiving God who you are. Lord, I pray that anybody who's heard as much as you today and wants to get to know you, Lord, I would pray that today would be the day. Today would be the day of salvation. Today would be the day that they would ask you for forgiveness and ask you to come into their lives as their Lord and their Savior. Lord, we thank you. And we pray these things in the mighty, mighty, mighty name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.